This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, it's Monday, the 5th of February, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, in 30 minutes, we'll be discussing the recent developments surrounding the e-commerce industry. But let's recap how global markets closed last Friday. So on Wall Street, the Dow Jones ended up 0.4%. The Nasdaq was up 1.7%. The S&P 500 was up 1.1%, which was a, a record high and it's up for a fourth straight week on strong tech earnings uh, from Meta and January January jobs reports also came in much better than expected. Early in the day in Asia, the Nikkei was up 0.4%. The Hang Seng was down 0.2%. Shanghai's Composite was down 1.5%. Both the these markets are down nearly 9% year, year to date, actually. Uh, Singapore's SDI was up 1.2%, FBM KLCI up 0.2% at 1,517 points. And Shaoning, that's the highest for 2024. Wow, <laughs> unfortunately, we are also the lowest against the Singapore dollar. You know, one up, one down. But anyway. Let's take our wins. Let's take our wins. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm a Debbie Downer this morning. Uh, but for some thoughts on what's moving markets, we speak to Song Seng Boon, economic consultant at financial services firm. CGS International. Good morning, Sengun. Good to speak to you. Shall we start with China? Because Keith kindly pointed out that it's <laughs> one of the worst performing markets in Asia. So we look at the Shanghai Composite Index. It had its worst week since 2018, following over 6%. Why is sentiment so bearish on Chinese stocks at the moment? Do you think it's time to actually bottom fish? Well, I think it's a combination of factors. I think... Uh, Listeners, I think, are familiar with them. It's really all about confidence, a lack of in this particular case. Uh, confidence centered on multiple fronts, uh, economic headwinds, uh, the slump in export sector. We certainly have seen exports of goods uh, from almost all countries you know, still down, still, I think, essentially trying to recover. Particularly to, to China, obviously, they have that multi-year property slump uh, as a result of just, you know, uh, still concern and worry uh, over where the property market and the indebtedness of many of those uh, large property companies and obviously the, the you know, uh, rack of government support measures, which so far have failed. To, to prop up confidence because they are seen as more piecemeal. So is it time to to to, to stop pick? Um, I think one has to be selective. Growth may have been slower over recent uh, year, but there are certainly areas uh, supported by still very resilient consumption on the services side, which have seen, I think, uh, companies uh, doing relatively well. So I think we can still stock pick, not just throw the baby out with mm. bath water when it comes down to Chinese stocks. And, and Singun, while we are while we while we are on that, um, the Hong Kong market seems to have fallen by just about the same quantum as well, uh, nearly nine percent year year to date. What what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what areas of growth are you seeing for Hong Kong? Well, obviously they're packed together in terms of sentiment, uh, but I would certainly say that it's still all about confidence. So it's really a case now of looking at whether the whole sector, whole economy is facing similar headwind. Not really. You still have some you know, uh, segments which are still doing relatively well. Some of the services side, um, obviously, we come down to China, sentiment in, or in the Hong Kong side one, you, if there is sentiment coming back on, as I said, tech-related side, 
it probably lift up the sentiment as well. But really, it comes down a, a lot to the lack of confidence. We use that word a lot when it comes down to China, including Hong Kong stocks, uh, and particularly in the area of uh, property. Uh, but as I say, you know, uh, unless we see greater conviction in terms of government support measures on in particular on the mainland side, lifting confidence, then we may still see pressure uh, on the Hong Kong side. Um, the headwinds, I think, will persist for a little while longer until we see clarity on, on policy and policy support. Um, so it's really about stock picking. I mean, if we're talking about things, areas like banks, for instance, they're doing well, but obviously there's a reason for them to be facing such a significant discount um, given the, you know, little visibility on on a recovery of or a more convincing recovery in, in, in stocks over uh, that neck of the wood. But every now and then when you do hear or see sounds of support measure being rolled out, it gets a bit of a lift. And we certainly have heard that over recent days. So we'll suddenly we'll see what kind of measure get rolled out to give confidence a shot in the arm as far as those investing in the North Asian market where Hong Kong in. And in China. And then on the flip side, US equities ended the week on a record high. Just look at NASDAQ, up 4% on a year to date basis. Uh, and we also note, of course, they went up 45% last year. It, is this the market to still buy, considering how much it's rallied? Yeah, it's expensive. Well, obviously, a lot was concentrated in a handful of the tech, big tech stocks. So if we are seeing the economy still, you know, not quite rolling along, but certainly a, a averting recession, little sign you have recession in, in the US, even as interest rates have been tightened significantly, people are still able to find work. There's still more jobs available for people looking uh, and there are still... Uh, spending well selectively and to holding up uh, in that sense private consumption uh it does suggest that there is more wind uh, you know a tailwind lifting u.s consumer and household uh in and if inflation is more or less stabilizing and on the year-on-year basis coming off it does give i suppose investors a bit more confidence that the people are being seen still spending and that obviously means translate into better earnings uh, for companies who have reported and obviously that's still that win uh, on the AI front in terms of uh, the, the chip sector do doing well, uh, services sector holding up. Uh, so certainly it's a case of to what extent you want to chase stocks at this point or selectively take some money off the table and put them uh, elsewhere or in other uh, it's hard to find uh, in those stocks which have lagged behind uh, as well. So it's really to what extent uh, investors are pricing in rate cuts. The Fed certainly is no hurry to cut rates at this point. They don't have to because the economy is still gen- generating ample employment and spending is still resilient even as uh, inflation come off. And so in that environment, people are still able to say, okay, rate cuts are coming, may not be coming anytime soon, but the economy remain, remain resilient enough to spot spending. So that's, in that sense, a nice little uh, sort of soft spot uh, or, or, or for, for investors still looking at the US. So if we come back to our neck of the woods, ASEAN economies were actually hoping for a China recovery to boost its economic fortunes in uh, 2024. 
So that seems increasingly unlikely now to happen given the current events. Should we be resigned to flat or little growth in this region now because of, of, of this? Um, is there any any optimism that we can expect? Good question. I mean, we shouldn't be too too depressed. I think we must remember the Chinese economy is still a large economy. It may not be growing at the kind of 8, 9, or perhaps even 10% uh, like it used to be when it was a more developing, growing economy. It's still growing, but the, the size of the Chinese economy, 5%, is nothing to sneeze at. As I said, there are still areas which are still growing, although still growing, although it's across both the goods producing and the services producing side. So here in Asia, uh, or for the ASEAN side, our 5% growth on aggregate is not to be sniffed at as well. And in particular, if we were to see the goods sector starting to see some signs of recovery, we are seeing uh, that the tech export side is starting to bottom out and consumption led by, I suppose, uh, EV vehicles in terms of consumption of goods maybe starting to lift exports again, uh, both from China and from our side. So it might be too bad. It might not be too bad, especially as rate uh, interest rates are, are leveling off. Inflation expectations start to ease off uh, as well. So that should be supportive, supportive of consumption uh, in general. So not to be too, too worried, I would say that uh, biggest risk obviously remains geopolitical risk mm -hmm. outside and sharp rebound in commodity prices, etc., which could lead back to inflation again. But for now, I would say don't don't, don't be too depressed. I think emerging market, <laughs> emerging currency uh, may still get a tailwind, especially in the second half of the year. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Song Sing Woon, economic a consultant and financial services firm CGS International telling us to remain optimistic about emerging markets, even though we are a laggard when you compare that to more developed Asian markets. For example, Nikkei 225 up 8% on a year-to-date basis. Singapore actually down 1.9%, while Malaysia will be actually up 4.3%. Not too bad. So we might get an even second win as we head into the second half. And although China's economy is chugging along nicely, um, I think consumer confidence is still rather weak, which explains why the stock market is so sluggish at this moment. But if you look at um, uh, the, the level of the ring this morning, I noticed that it strengthened quite significantly yes. compared to Friday because I, I remember I remember uh, tweeting through the news team on Friday that uh, Sing Dollar the hit Sing Dollar hit a new high, all-time uh, high against yeah, the ringgit. Amazingly, and yeah. some people must have really believed the Malaysian Ink story because Sing Dollar this morning, 3.5094, even the Euro, which hit 6, right? This morning, 5.0808 and Pound, 5.9497. US dollar, of course, 4.7170. Uh, but let's turn our attention to some corporate news that came out in America on Friday night and that was ExxonMobil, one of the largest oil companies. They reported quarterly earnings that exceeded Wall Street expectations, although profit has declined significantly from a year ago as oil prices, of course, are weaker but still well above historic averages. They recorded a net profit of $7.6 billion, down 40% from the same quarter a year ago. 
So uh, the profits were actually hurt by a $2 billion impairment charge from regulatory issues that prevented production and distribution from coming back online. Its revenue did come in at $84.3 billion. That's 12% lower from the same quarter a year ago. And uh, they did declare a dividend of $0.95 cents per share for the first quarter. So good news for their shareholders. The company has returned $32.4 billion to shareholders in 2023 through $15 billion in dividends and $17 billion in share buybacks. Wow, that's a lot of change. Uh, meanwhile, in October, Exxon did agree to buy shale rival Pioneer Natural Resources for about $60 billion. Ring, uh, dollars, excuse me, why am I saying ringgit? Ringgit is nothing in their world. Um, <laughs> I think it's it was one of the few M&A deals that did happen in the oil and gas space. The deal is expected to close in the first half of this year. Now, does the street like this name? It's up 2% on a year-to-date basis. The answer is somewhat lukewarm. I think, of course, ESG concerns weigh down on any oil and gas company. So this morning, there are 17 buys, 12 holes, no sales. Consensus target price, $123.63. US Last time price on Friday was US$101.97. Very quickly, I do want to talk about one more oil and gas company, and that's Chevron. Their quarterly profit fell sharply, but still was better than expected. This reduction in earnings was due to a lower oil production and a number of impairment charges. Again, another company returning record amounts of money to its shareholders in 2023, $26.3 billion. This is how they keep shareholders sweet. <laughs> and yeah, for the full year, uh, its profits uh, fell by around 40% at $21.4 billion. It did produce a record 3.1 million oil equivalent barrels per day in 2023. And that's a 14% growth in the US. Okay, more popular than Exxon, 21 buys, 9 holes, consensus target price for Chevron, 176 US $87. On Friday, it closed 152 US $24, up $4 and 35 cents. So it looks like the oil and gas companies are doing pretty well in the United States this morning. All prices, brand crude 77, 78 US dollars a barrel. Up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 